Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. How are you doing? If this is your first time here, hello, welcome. I presume you're here to listen to Stephen Hill and you're already someone that loves the man. Welcome. If it's, if, you, if it's not your first time, welcome back. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I'll get on to Stephen in a minute. just want to say a few things, I guess. I was like, what can I talk about? Well, I guess um, in my life i got a new job, which is nice, full-time working with people in the community so it's nice to be out um otherwise it's just started snowing um it, i woke up today and there was snow everywhere in sheffield that is where i'm at that is this morning if you are listening if you are one of the no people that listened as soon as this podcast dropped but yeah i just thought what can i talk about people listening to a podcast what i want to hear about okay let's recommend a podcast that i've been listening to i recently found that it did happen here podcast which is a great podcast where people look back at the community work that was done in portland a few decades ago to really eradicate the massive neo-nazi um there was just a massive neo-nazi presence in portland and this is uh, yeah this podcast really just like talks about how um people came together and how they combated that to um make that presence diminish um you know it starts off in the portland punk scene where you know the skins were like a massive part of the scene and really just talks about how we've we're from there as well as just you know like as a community coming together different communities coming together as one whole community and it's really 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 well it's just a great listen and there's loads of things to think about really when you're thinking about trying to do stuff like that in your own life and of course it makes sure to like highlight the fact that there are fucking neo-nazis in our society and that is a part of society that we need to make sure is being pushed back upon um yeah um otherwise culture fear wise there will be another podcast within the week i'm so, like i've recorded this po- this podcast in the last one last month both of them are great the next one is just it was brilliant it's less about music actually more about sports i hope that doesn't turn you off but it's just brilliant um and i'm still doing a culture fear monthly radio show that's on the mix cloud every month culture fear sorry probably mixcloud.com forward slash culture fear i'm sure that's where you can find it or i'm just playing tunes that i fucking love but yeah you're here to hear steven not me um this conversation was great i really love steve we've you know i guess it's you know one of those people that like they live far away from you but you know like you're going to get on with that person and that's always been the case i really love struggle town records i'm really glad it's back listen to that flinch record it's it's phenomenal it is brilliant um and also steven's been such a massive supporter of this podcast from like before it even started he like makes sure all the logos look good every time they're going out so thank you for that Stephen. and yeah he's just like 
an absolute pleasure. You're going to enjoy this conversation. I really, really think you will. And yeah, I'll catch you on the flip side. But yeah, look out for yourself. If you like this conversation, this podcast, tell a friend. Love you. Take care of yourself. Peace. Stephen, how are you? Yeah, I mean, that's a very loaded question in these times, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm coping. I'm doing all right. I'm, yeah, fairly happy. Cool, cool. Um, I want to go straight in with, um, like, so Struggle Town Records, the record label that you did run for quite some time, you've kind of rebooted. Can yeah. you tell me about the reboot? And then we'll go back. Okay, and yeah. we'll talk about Struggle Town before. So um, I was having a conversation with my friend, Beth, who plays bass and sings in the band that I play in, which is Slow Light. Um, we've been friends for a really long time. And she was asking me, because like, my main job is graphic designer. Um, so she was asking me if I could do some, lay out some artwork for her record, because she was like self-releasing it. Um, yeah. like pressing it on vinyl like just the super DIYest thing like she recorded it all in like over lockdown you know in the periods of time where it was safe to do stuff and things like that and like she was just so stoked on it that she wanted to to press it and that just like my sort of struggle town senses were tingling like it was so tempting to just I just wanted to to do something to be involved and like because it was just the sort of perfect you know group of like situation like a really good friend had done something absolutely amazing and was like putting their own time and effort and money into it to like get it out there. So I had to think about it and um, I don't have any funds like kicking about from old releases or anything like that because it's been kind of defunct or shut for about a year and a half, two years. And I just thought to myself like, well, she's she's willing to pay you the going rate for that, um, the artwork. So when you kind of offset that and take some distro stock and use the sort of struggle town platform to kind of amplify the release a little bit. Um, so that was my plan was just to say like, instead of you paying me a couple hundred bucks, like why don't I just take 40, 50 records, put them up online and, and help you promote it. And she was obviously really excited about that, which was really cool. I also didn't really want to step on her toes and say, you know, we're a label we know what we're doing. We'll take over. I just, I wanted to support and be like, cool we know a little bit about this so you can ask me whatever you want i'll help you out i'll make sure that like i can make it as smooth as possible like while you know helping someone that's willing to go that distance and you know believes enough in their own music to like to press it you know yeah yeah that's so so cool have you had like many have you been tempted before this point what's been what's tempted you already oh yeah i mean i'd love to reach out to that person there are so many amazing bands and like i'm friends with so many talented people that like every time someone releases something and it goes up on Bandcamp, i'm like oh man like i wish i'd been involved like it's 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 kind of a drug you know like you i miss the fix of, of having that like element of like you know of just being part of it uh so yeah it happens all the time um this is probably yeah th- like you like you said this was like the the bait was too nice like it was too delicious yeah, it, makes too much sense. <laughs> yeah, it made too much sense then. and then from that we kind of thought i thought to myself well yeah we could just open the store and tell people to buy that record but that's 
you're not really offering very much. So I tried to think of other, you know, avenues of like things that, that we could do that would exist around that and like expand on what we did before and stuff. So there's a few, a few things in the pipeline and a couple of projects that are already started. So it's quite cool to have uh, it back in my mind to focus on because obviously with the past year, like it's just been crazy. Like everyone's life's been turned upside down. So um, it's, it's really nice to have something so familiar and have so much support because as soon as I like posted anything about it or like told some people they were just really excited which is really cool because it you know it just reminds me that oh it was a thing like it had a you know a, a level of impact in like some people's lives and they're really stoked to see it like happening again yeah yeah nice that's so cool and yeah is it nice to have that like it's it's a strange time at the moment and i guess um things for me it's been nice to have things to focus on and obviously you've lost the band it was like yeah you've lost like playing music regularly with your friends like yeah so at least you've got that and yeah so what what um so you've got the podcast you started the podcast to accompany like struggle town being back yeah that's been fun yeah it's been really fun um obviously you've been super helpful in that and helping me like find the platforms to make it and 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 inspirational in the format of your podcast which i've almost wholesale ripped off so i apologize <laughs> for that <laughs> um, I, w- but, I would disagree but i okay. think we're both probably just wanting to talk to people whose stories we're super interested in pretty much Wait. yeah so yeah that's kind of the premise is that like for me i think the what, what you see on the front of a label is like a bunch of records coming out in the end product is like a is like a you know is is a musical release or a gig or whatever but like the actual interesting part for me like really quickly became the people that I met and like who they were and what they were what they were into and like how they got into being in this little weird little DIY community that we're all part of and and like it's it's as time went by it kind of I noticed that like most of those people are going on to do things that I'm super interested in as well and not just bands but like other cool related things and they sort of like take that mindset with them so um the podcast uh, that, that i've started is called uh, struggle town community council because i always kind of always laughed about it as like struggle town the name has got like a place in it so like if it was actually like a town what would it be like and i actually think it would be like a really awesome place like it could be a utopia because i feel like <laughs> so many of the folk that are like that would be residents there would be like really nice people really hard-working people like with really good ideas and like really willing to like help each other out and share things and that that. so that's kind of the premise is that it's like this long series of conversations which add up to essentially like meeting all the different people that would be on this massive council like and getting the ideas that like of how what we're all into and like all the things we've learned from being in bands, putting on shows and releasing records and like doing tours and, and podcasts and zines and all the other stuff that surrounds this, like how that could influence what we do going forward because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to need to be like really thought about and we're going to need to figure out how to like build up a music scene again and, and stuff like that. So almost a sort of like bit of reminiscing, bit of understanding who they are and then like a bit of like cool. So 
what do we do? Like, how do we, how do we get ourselves out of this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Glasgow seems to, from afar, have like, re- like be a really cool cult, like city for culture. Seems to have a lot. And then when you like go smaller for like punk stuff, like or like DIY and like that kind of just like thought process of those adjacent things seems to have had like a few scenes whether like they're part of the same scene and like but like definitely there's been like a few different types of band like the hardcore punk seems to be like always have had like a few bands at the same time and like the indie punk and then like uh indie pop as well that like has that kind of ethic to it absolutely yeah it's a, it's a strange place man because it's quite small like in terms of the population so um like when things are going on you're really fighting for people's attention so it can be quite divided even amongst that that small population so it it's interesting i don't know um it's another thing i'd like to explore i don't know if there's like another podcast or, another, or maybe a book or something in it because it's really fascinating to me that like glasgow and scotland as a as a country is like an insane quantity of of culture comes from scotland and like the amount of like super famous actors and musicians and like it's just mind-blowing for the size of the place and in places yeah like the cities the main cities obviously are the sort of hub for that like glasgow particularly and just it kind of it's a weird balance of like yeah it's amazing to know that this many people, this many bands from this city did so well. And on the flip side, I feel like it's incredibly difficult if you are like a smaller band to like get your voice heard or to travel out west of Scot out west Scotland. There's a bit of a weird phenomenon there. So, um, it's something like I I discover bands like through Discogs and Spotify and stuff that like I would have absolutely loved that were around at the time that I was going to gigs and I had no idea they existed. And I know that that's quite <laughs> common, but it just feels like there's all these little secret little niches and it's it's really cool, but it's also really frustrating because you're kind of like, oh, I just wish I'd been, you know, been there for that show or like, or found that person at that time. But I guess, you know, that is what it is. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that Glasgow is a very strange and very unique sort of set of circumstances yeah but that is an interesting one because obviously some people are very adamant that what they're doing should be like somewhat of a secret thing Mm. and like but i mean i'm i'm of the like thought that it shouldn't be like of course it shouldn't water itself down but i don't think watering itself down watering yourself down is being visible to people looking yeah no exactly i was gonna say like it's okay to be secretive but if someone who's already like who knows the handshakes and all the secret knocks can't find you you know what i mean like i am i'm the audience i'm the target market like <laughs> they want me, they want me there because i'll buy their record and be stoked on it and like i'm not gonna you know i don't know what it is that the, the sort of watering down aspect but i know what you mean like um I, and that's like it's almost like but how like so it'd be like okay oh, cool, i see a flyer for a show in a venue that i go to all the time that features members of other bands that i know I'd be like, well, how the, how did I not know that was happening? That's wild, like, but it's just, it's kind of like saturated, um, but like I say, it's also divided. Um, so there's like a bunch of promoters, or there were a bunch of promoters when Struggle Pen was doing like 
the most amount of gigs that were like really similar. We're all really like we're pretty close. We like get on really well. We don't step on each other's toes, but there would be points where there'd be three gigs on that would be the same audience, you know, like the same sort yeah. of like similar style bands. And we would all just kind of go, well, okay, fingers crossed. It, it's our one that gets <laughs> the crowd and sorry if it's not your one kind of thing. Like, um, but that was just because and I think there's another thing as well where it's like, it's not necessarily prioritized to come to Glasgow. You want to do it, but it's not going to be your main day. You're not going to go on the, oh, okay, like a yeah, Friday or Saturday of a tour. You're going to go yeah. on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday because it's like probably the farthest you'll have to travel. It's probably you're not banking on it being like a really good night kind of thing. So uh, that's probably another reason why we all kind of crossed over at certain days because we were all getting Tuesdays we we're all getting Wednesdays kind of thing so yeah that makes that makes sense yeah and, and it is it is a, it is like because unless you're doing you know some tours will do like a northeast show like <laughs> usually like Newcastle but if not it's like a four, good four hour drive from Manchester and then the next day being Leeds if the person booking the tours like been able to or like cares about tour, like booking that route well yeah, and that's still sure. quite. That's still like not, a sh- you know, it's not a short drive. No, it's not on, to a, be- on a UK yeah. tour. Nah, for sure. And I think there's also there is a sort of invisible boundary as well of like there is the you cross the border is there for one show like um not to slight Edinburgh because there's some amazing promoters in Edinburgh but like to do a show it's either Edinburgh or Glasgow you don't usually do both and I feel like that package probably is the one that would, if we could make that work better, would be like more tempting because you would have like two yeah. nights, an hour apart, like two cities yeah. to explore. It and like awesome cities to explore as well, especially because like when I've like played shows in either city, like the venues have been like really like in the city and like super cool. Yeah. So if you've only got an hour drive, you get so much time to like explore. The other thing as well, I think Ed, definitely want to mention Dundee because Dundee is insane like the the scene that they built there is absolutely magnificent like that some of the bands that came out there and and the labels like make that take and stuff like that are just out of this world so you kind of have those like a lot of people play Dundee and play Glasgow but for a long time Aberdeen was like a really popular stop because like it was you know it had it had some cool venues it had kids that didn't see a lot of shows so therefore we're like super up for coming up there out and then their council has just absolutely decimated that, like made it impossible to have venues that put on that kind of show. So it, it isn't really viable for like smaller bands and then it doesn't really become as viable for medium bands kind of thing. So it just gets left out. And I think you don't really realise the knock-on effect of, of the other cities in your country, especially if it's a small country like ours or one there's only four or five main cities you can stop off at. If one of them drops off, then it really does impact the amount of people that are going to be willing to like make that trip. Yeah, yeah. God, it's interesting, isn't it? How it all works. It's so <laughs> weird. It was I was talking to in, in one of the other episodes. I was talking to Kier, and he booked a show because it, there was like a hole in the tour, and it like made absolute for American bands. It made absolute sense for them to play in Glasgow because it was like of the rooting of the tour and when the, the hole was, and he wanted to see them. So he he got in touch with the tour manager. And was like you should play Glasgow, I'll put it on. And they were like, oh, we've heard that like there's no point in playing in Glasgow for this kind of music because like people don't come out for it. And that's mad, because like, when I thought back, I was like, 
Oh, absolutely right. It was like a total hole, like for about a year, where like that kind of band just didn't play in our city, and and you know they just get that rumor of like someone comes and has a shit time, or like no one comes and they just go, yeah, skip it. It's mad because it's, it, you don't realize how important that is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the like ins and outs of that, but like yeah. that might that sounds like more so when it's like like that's where like a DIY thing and a community thing yeah. is just like there's more of a communication as to why like oh okay like yeah actually like oh like you know you hit up your friend or a friend of a friend and you, they're like yeah actually at the moment this kind of thing isn't working so like yeah. I wouldn't want you to come all this way it's just not going to be in your interest and like it's not going to be work- like I'm not the time I put into it it's not going to be like f- for me either yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess if it's obviously like a booking agent, they're just like, ah, that didn't work. So like, I'd rather chase the ten percent over here. But <laughs> like, also if there is just a like, and also where like if it's a booking agent, they're like, oh, it's just not worth it. Where maybe I'd imagine if it's a band and they're on tour, they're like, wait, we could go to like a massive city and on a day where we don't have a show. Yeah. So like, if. 10 people come we've played to 10 more people 10 more people on this tour yeah. that's sick and like if not we're still in like glasgow which is pretty fucking cool yeah for sure i know and, and i think that was kind of what so here filled that gap and that it was like you know maybe they didn't know someone or maybe they just they had heard something and then he said well i know for for a fact that there's people that are up for this like so i'll i'll take responsibility for it and we'll do it and that filled that gap and then I can and you know obviously other people did as well and then it built up to be like okay I must I must play city kind of thing so um but I know what you mean yeah it's like if you don't know someone in that city or you haven't got a contact as well that can just be like super difficult how's um stuff with slow light in Glasgow because you're not like a band that tours extensively are you no um or not weekenders in like Scott Uh, you do seem to play like yeah, like have a big emphasis on playing in Scotland, which is really cool. Yeah. Um. So the the main reason that we toured, uh, like the mini tour with Switchbones, was because uh, they wanted to come and play in Scotland and asked me, and I said, well, I genuinely think if you go down like tour booker route, um, you're going to get maybe more money, but you won't get people, um, and you won't meet anyone, and blah blah blah, because most of those dudes are from like bigger bands from before but they like this is like their new project and no one really knew who they were so i just kind of said to them like i know enough people that i can book this um and not that we are like big enough but like you know there'll be like an okay turnout at each show um you'll have a place to stay and like you know we'll make sure that all the all the money goes to you guys because you're traveling from the netherlands kind of thing um and they kind of were like okay well that's just really weird to us because in the same vein if we did this in the netherlands we would make lots of money and lots of people would come because they're really into it like that's just how it is here and i was like well it's not really the same here like (laughs) yeah sorry i can get you i can book you some rooms and hopefully like if the the other people on the show are you know well known enough like they'll all stick around and it went it went well like it wasn't mind-blowing but it went really well but that's kind of the reason that we did that and that was yeah we found the sort of frustration of like trying to get somewhere in Aberdeen because it just isn't a thing 
um, we ended up taking a punt on playing in Perth, which is like a pretty small town, um, which turned out to be fun. But again, like it's, it's a bizarre venue situation where there's like a pool hall type bar and like, there was like a huge hallway and then like the venue at the back, which was gigantic. It was like a like playing in a church. Oh, and then it was it was wild. It was so cool, like get, to get the chance to play in that room. But there's like maybe thirty or forty people all hanging out in the pub bit, and like ten hanging out in the bit where the bands are playing. And like I'm because I was sort of the promoter as well. I'm like going through and talking to these younger guys and be like, dude, there's like a sick Dutch punk band playing back there. Like you should totally go back and see them. Like at least just hang out for a song or whatever, you know. And like, nah, I'm alright, man. I'm good. I'm just gonna have a pint with my mates and head up the road, kind of thing. But um yeah so the the reason that we did that little tour was yeah because they they were keen to play in scotland and i guess i had the connections to at least book the shows um we've never we played leeds uh newcastle and we played manchester uh, i think it's just really our situation and because we play, we play and london of course well. yes of course sorry yes of course <laughs> sorry i was i don't know why i've tailed off at the the biggest you know the biggest city in in the country, um, and also our connection point. But um, I think w- with that band, like we are all super aware of our own life situations, and like that's that's like the main thing, and everything else is just a bonus. Like every time we get to get to play a show or get together to record or anything like that, it's just like it's great. So we don't put lots of stress on it to say like oh, well, we haven't toured this year, or, oh, well, we haven't recorded this year, or anything like that. It's, it's um, because uh, Colin and I both have kids and work full-time, and, and Beth's got, like, a million jobs. Uh, Neil, before he left, was had a wee ghetto, and he was, like, a freelance photographer, and Joy is, like, in a million bands as well, and, you know, Joy is the, the new guitarist, so she's also works and all this other stuff so, so like it's, it's like a zero pressure band it's just like everything is is to our own um our own schedule um, yeah, and make yeah. it work around that so it, it does mean that it's pretty sporadic and not massively like built up the main reason we play in glasgow most of the time is because that's where our mates are and that's when you know another band that we're friends with is like playing they'll be like do you want to play as well we'll be like yeah yes yes we <laughs> do. It, it's really handy because all of our stuff's here <laughs> you know we'll just bring it and play and then go home so yeah um i would love to do a bit more of the, the traveling around and playing but i don't know if that ship's necessarily sailed for us because you know we're like i say we're all <laughs> we've all got families and and jobs and stuff that don't really uh they aren't as flexible as, as they could be for for that kind of thing yeah yeah um so going back to struggle town mm-hmm. records yeah so you start when what, what year did you put out your first release uh it was in 2011 i think okay sweet so 10 years this year that's pretty cool yes yes it, is. I, it sort of came up yeah it was weird because i restarted it and then noticed that it was going towards 10 years i'm like oh this is handy so yeah trying to think of some plans to like mark that because it is a big a big deal for us um part of the thing that we did with the label was we um we booked shows in uh, a venue called block which is like got this amazing model where they like pay the bands it's free to get in 
they make sure the bands get fed and stuff like that like so the promoter just has to make sure that like it's well attended and like everybody's happy and safe and blah 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 so a block turned 20 years old like just at the last year so they'll have their 20, 20 20th anniversary slash 21st anniversary we'll have our 10 year anniversary so he did like shows in there for pretty much six seven years of the label so it was pretty yeah. pretty intense which is cool so they have a book out as well um celebrating that and um they asked me to write about the, the shows that we did and they were really happy with like the little bit of chat that i wrote and that ended up being the sort of introduction to the event section which is pretty cool um that is cool yeah so because they were like it really summed up what we were trying to get across because it just is it's like i don't know about you like there's there are certain places that you just feel super comfortable like you go in you know that there's going to be people that you know there there's there's going to be like an atmosphere that you can get involved in like if you know even if you don't know what's happening that night you're sure that you're going to be vaguely interested in it like because of the other stuff that you've been to a million times so block was that for like all my group of friends for like a long time it was like sitcom-esque you know like you would just turn <laughs> up and there would be yeah. people there so yeah, that's cool it just at the spot where um losing sleep played with the winter pass and where you'd like go downstairs to the, to yeah. the big room yeah 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 cool. really cool play buck buck fast on tap oh no wait no 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 sorry that was not there i put you guys on in nice and sleazy yeah so nice and sleazy is is another like iconic venue in the city but all of the venues are downstairs that almost exclusively <laughs> yeah. it was actually terrific like the first time i went to a gig in manchester and we went into a pub and went up the stairs it was like no you guys have got this backwards man like it's it's always down <laughs> <laughs> Mm. um and what what give me like let's talk about like free releases that like really like always you're like this is this to us this to me just feels like they all feel struggle town but like these are like just free that i want to talk about okay um okay so the first one the first moves of heart ep um like summarizes it for me because i feel like it set the tone that we were like we were up for a challenge because uh in, in glasgow certainly at that point like the type of pop punk that they played which was quite like um like melodic but riffy and like i don't know i guess it's like four year strong set your goals kind of style like no one no one liked that kind of music at all every show they played was with like metalcore bands um and they like they stood out massively as a band that was like not not what the scene was looking for so but it was just such such a great recording and the songs were so good and they like put so much effort into it like so i think that that ep summarizes like the ethos and then from that it just kind of gave us a blueprint to be like it doesn't matter what genre of band it is but like the ethos is like you know they they are they're kind of they stand out or they're different or they're a bit more like yeah a bit unusual and for whatever reason so um like that record was absolutely you know pivotal in like the whole thing so um but then it's it's hard to say because they all have their place but the one that really put us in the spotlight and gave us a massive like bigger more international audience was the split with into over it and um the great albatross um, yeah yeah so there's like a really interesting 
not really interesting story, but there's a cool story behind it where uh, <laughs> Evan had played in Block, and the, the one thing about Block is that it's it's not just a venue; it's basically a pub. So you know, people go there for their nights out. It's free to get in. They, they don't really always care that there's a band playing or whatever. So Evan was playing, and it was really and noisy. that can be like a really yeah, that can be bad if you're just a yeah, person was, with a guitar. Yeah, so he was he wanted to play some of his quieter songs and felt that he couldn't because he couldn't be heard over the audience and stuff like that and I, I made it you know my job to go around and try and shush people um but they weren't up for it and it was all a bit awkward so after the show um i was sitting and it was pretty early on and i think it was maybe like the second or third show we'd booked so i was really like whoa because it wasn't me that was uh, in contact with into over it. it was nick who had sort of worked uh worked on with me on the label for a bit Okay. Um. So he he kind of had the contact and, and booked him and and Koji. Uh, so we're sitting there and I was just like I felt really embarrassed. Like I was just like I'm really sorry. Like you know this is obviously your impression of our city and you know like I'm a fan of yours and blah blah. blah. And I, like he was you could tell he was really angry. Like <laughs> not. I mean at least people were there to talk over it. I guess. Yeah. No. So the, it wasn't it wasn't that he was angry. He was just frustrated and he'd hurt his voice trying to shout over and stuff like that. And you could tell it was, but but I think I overshadowed it by being more disappointed than he was. And after a while, he started to be like, "Dude, it's cool. I can see that you've put in loads of effort. It's not your fault. It's not anyone's fault. Like, it's just frustrating because I wanted to play different songs, and I, you know, I ended up playing songs that, that weren't the ones that I'd chosen, kind of thing. And I was just like, cool. So we we had, we we had it off pretty well, and we got on really well, which was really cool. So fast forward to the next time he comes to play, um, he like messaged me to be like. Are you coming? I was like, yeah, totally, man. Uh, we're being all cool and sitting in the bar chatting to the headliner. And he was like, dude, you really need to go st- downstairs and check out the Great Albatross. Absolutely amazing. Just really fantastic. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And normally I am like a total like gig nerd. I will watch every band. But like, I just, it went to my head and I was like, oh yeah, I'm just hanging about Evan. Da, da, da. And like, we didn't go downstairs and watch the Great Albatross, which is embarrassing because literally he's incredible um so the next day we all went to hang out and have some breakfast and wesley was there who is the great albatross and we were all talking about the show and Evan was just like yeah it was really awesome it was really good to see you blah 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 and i think it was like wesley just directly was like what did you think <laughs> so i just was like i didn't i didn't watch you play <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> cool and i was like yeah i'm really sorry man i just didn't um see it and he's like oh yeah that's fine no worries the thing guys on it's not super awkward but we end up walking away together just chatting and i'm like really getting on really well with this guy and thinking he's really cool and really like just kicking myself for the fact that i didn't didn't listen to his music go home and rectify that you know listen to all this stuff online and it's absolutely awesome so again nick has the idea to just be like we should ask evan to release something because he's like yeah i feel like we're we're decent friends now like and it would be massive for the label and he just released so many records at that point didn't yeah so (laughs) i think this was just after um proper around the time of proper oh wow okay so yeah yeah pushing on to peak into over it really yeah totally so he yeah he was really well known and like yeah like i say super super nice of him to get involved in this and we pitched a split with the great albatross and he was just like, yes, absolutely. Like, 
Wesley's music is absolutely incredible and it was like inspirational to me when I was younger and like I am down to do that. I'll give you some demos and So um, how long has the great Albatross been going? Uh, so this was Evan was into his earlier band which was the uh, called Boris Smile. Um oh, okay. and that was so Wesley's originally from California and that was oh, his band okay. when he was in California. And um yeah, so like I say, like Wesley, as soon as we met, was just like the nicest guy and like gave me like his last copy of his Boris Mail C D and all that stuff and like I just was like, Okay, cool, this is the kind of yeah, this is the kind of person that absolutely the kind of person that struggled with everyone to support kind of thing. So we um yeah, we got we got the go ahead to do it, which was awesome. Um we pressed it on like a picture disc. And at yeah, that time it looks cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it's funny because I think a lot of people don't like picture discs, but I'm a fan of the seven inch format and I think anything that makes the seven inch even like more interesting to look at is like awesome. Like I think whilst there's like yeah, people can say, Oh, the audio quality's crap, blah 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 like I don't know that I'm quite gimmicky, man. I like stickers and shiny stuff, so once when I see a record that looks cool, I'm definitely more likely to pick it up. Um yeah. so the the whole thing was like a, a really cool like summary of the time. So there's those two dudes who we were like good friends with who are like really doing us a favor by being involved. The photos that are on the picture disc are by my friend Christina, who is another person that's like really important to Glasgow because like she is up for letting people stay at her house. Like bands always crash there and she's like always involved, like just an amazing photographer as well. And um the photos were of Iceland, uh aer- like aerial shots of Iceland with that she took when she was flying in. And, like, my brother had not long moved there, um, like, with his, his partner and stuff. So I'd never been. I felt like this was, like, a really cool way to, like, include Iceland as a thing and have these beautiful-looking records. So um, we put it up. And, like I, like I was saying earlier on, like, we've never been a, a hype thing. Like, people are not like, oh, my God, it's going to sell it really fast. But, like, the pre-orders for that record were insane. Like, it was just, like... <laughs> so many yeah. there was so yeah. many and loads of them were going to the states and i was like oh my god i don't even know how to do this to be honest with you like we'd sold like a good amount of all the other releases we'd done and like over like a period of time but this was like a landslide of orders that all had to go for the pre-order date and i had no idea like how to, <laughs> how to post that many things so i went to the post office and said to them like i was like look i need to send i don't know 60 records and they all need to go on the same day and they were like okay what size is it like cool he said the best way to do it is for you to just buy it in stamps and like stick it on yourself and then just take it to various post offices and they'll just all ship it so um on the day of the like the day when we had them all ready to get shipped out for the release date we me and my wife just sat packaging them so we would put like a record in we put like a an insert in close the thing put it in a package with a mailer seal that and then stick the postage on it and then like we ended up with just piles and piles and piles and like it was just sick because i felt like i felt like ian mckay or something you know like it felt so diy and so legit like having all of those records and knowing that people were going to get them yeah yeah that is cool like that's that's one of the underlining things that made me want to start a label because I know how stoked I get when my order from a label arrives. I was like, cool, I can do that. <laughs> like, I can be 
yeah, the facility. Yeah, especially if it comes with a little note, like, oh, thanks so much for the support. Yeah, like I a love note that or, shit. or some stickers or like a free thing. Like, absolutely live for that. And like, you know, to a fault where I would be like, oh, you ordered a record? I'm going to put another record in. <laughs> like, you know, decimating my stock, but trying to be like, let's just spread it out there. But, um, so that was a really cool one. Um, and remains like the the great albatross song off that summer's gone is like the most played song the most downloaded song like like our most popular song so it's really rad um uh, yeah. wesley actually played like a little live stream show that we did the other day to help us promote beth's uh, record as well so he like remains a big supporter of ours and yeah i'm so glad that i didn't keep up my stupid snobbery and be like finally check this stuff out <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's so cool that is rad it was really fun um i think the other bigger one that we did was the the shook ones in death is not glamorous release um which is absolutely mind-blowing for me because both of those bands are like bands i was super aware of before the idea of running a label or even like being involved in punk was like a thing yeah um, both those bands are like two of my favorite bands especially like in that like sp- like you know that like i still love them both actually um but like at that time as well yeah for sure and i think it's a we- it's a weird one because it's a little bit overshadowed by frustration because timings and, and and other things just didn't work out and by the time it came out both bands had split up and it just didn't really get it could have been a milestone but it ended up being like a bit of a, a weight around our neck to an extent because yeah we, we had all these records and there was run for cover who were like obviously huge on the other side of the thing which were which was an, another amazing i'm not like being negative about their involvement it was absolutely incredible to work with them but they had their version in the states which i feel like they probably don't have very many left um but we had this like uk version i don't think anyone was like i must have both kind of thing and like i just um yeah there was an email from christian from death is not glamorous at one point it was just like at what it's hard to remember the wording but it was like and what timeline is this record going to be released like in what it was like in what realm of time are we going to actually release this record because i think it's just like run for cover were like so busy with all the albums they had coming out it was just like lp after lp after lp after lp and yeah um it wasn't a priority and not again no negativity on it but it just it did end up causing a the issue that both bands were done by the time we actually released it however um on the absolute positive note like getting to work on that record being like knowing that every copy of it has our logo on it and like it's just mind-blowing like i did a shirt for shook ones and i think i did yeah i did a shirt for shook ones and a shirt for death is not glamorous which is like a dream come true as a designer that loves punk um and again just like being in, in contact with people like kelly from shook ones and, and christian from death is not glamorous is just like the raddest thing um and the music that's on it is just amazing like i think uh listen when the commodore speaks is probably my favorite shook ones track um yeah it's just sick so yeah it, it's it's one of those ones where like we, it was quite soon after the into over it split and i thought i was like worried that i was like this was going to have to be my job <laughs> i was like 
if this keeps up, I'm going to have to make this my job because there's no way that we can keep doing records of this size and I'm still scrabbling about like working and posting them at the weekend and thinking like it's just not going to work. So in a sense, I think the reality check of it taking a bit longer and being a bit less of an impactful thing was handy because I was starting to get a bit ahead of myself. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I did. Ha- I had a friend once put a record out, and it was a split release with another label, mm-hmm. and the other label was like had a far bigger platform than his. Yeah, and he just he said to me he was like, "Yeah, I would never do that again." It's like everyone just goes to like the the bigger label and like buys. Obviously, it's a bit different with your circumstance because it's like. Um, like got that geographical difference yeah um or what do they call it territories yeah. But, um yeah yeah it was just like it's just you it's, it seems like a great idea mm. and it's cool like because you just want to do things that are cool and if you're going to do that because it's yep. cool like do it but like it's not all roses like, no for sure um it's not it's tricky because the, yeah it's like all the everybody has their own priorities as well like and then um, there are loads of releases i see with like six seven eight labels on them and i can only assume that like the band is actually the person that the yeah. project manages that and the labels give them their logo and they just kind of do records. it like yeah so you know i think the, f- the f- yeah it's tricky uh like i tricky. remember um sport were amazing for that like yeah. you know like every press of their records had just like eight labels at least, but like, you know, just, and and then you see them play shows all over the world and everywhere they play shows, Mm -hmm. they're just like, it's just going wild for them. And you're just like, fuck, you just knew the like labels to like, you just, it's just works so perfectly. Like I'm in awe of how they did it. Yeah. Like such a great way where it's It's like, it's definitely a thing in France as well. Um, Almost all the French bands that we worked with, whenever I would get distro or whenever they would like do releases would have at least four to five labels that were involved and most of them would be French and I think they've and I think they've got that down. I think they know that it's like a distribution network almost. Like they just go Yeah, yeah. It's it makes total French sense to me yeah. where it's like, right, for, you've got forty records in this one town city. So yeah. if that person like that's like putting it out gets sells out of there that means that like most probably like 35 people in that city like liked the record enough or like like the label enough to buy that record and then there's obviously other people that like didn't buy the record but checked out the music anyway so like when you come like there's all yeah it just builds from there and like especially if like you know over time through like touring and through like putting on shows yourself and like playing with other bands and that you kind of get to know the people that you want to like you know when i go to this city i'm gonna get this person to put on the show because Mm -hmm. like i always do and they're sick and they like put on the shows really well and people like go to their shows because they like they know that it's going to be a good show yeah and it's It's, the same with the label isn't it Totally, it's the, it's the same, yeah, like, I, I was really stoked to be that guy for, like, a lot of people, that was really cool, um, for Glasgow, uh, there are times when it becomes rubbish because of the, the circumstances that you're in, I remember uh, 
So when you're talking about those different labels that are like almost intrinsically swapping with each other, like I feel like Boslevan and ourselves, like we would definitely distro each other's stuff, uh, send each other copies of stuff, which is really cool. But then like Mikey, who you know is as a screen printer and in a bunch of bands, like became really good friends with me. There was a day there was a he was asking if Box Kite could play a show, and I really wanted to do it. But it was literally the day ceremony was playing in Glasgow. And I was yeah, like, so that ain't gonna happen. I was like, <laughs> I was like trying to think of a way that I could go, put the show on, and also see ceremony. Like, so I, I was gonna book it in the venue next door, <laughs> so that like, I could try and like coax people round to like watch a couple bands and then like go and see ceremony and like do the same thing myself. But after a while, we just ended up being like, dude, this is silly. Like. It's not. No one's gonna come because they're all gonna be next door watching ceremony. So let's just not do it. Sadly, but yeah, it's one of those things. Is like the the closer you are with someone, or like the more you like want to help them out. Sometimes it becomes like, oh fuck, like how do I make this work? Is it possible? I have to make it. Yeah, work. but then hopefully you can also be like, when you're tight with someone, you're like, yeah, it's just not gonna happen. They're yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Like I would never be down on someone not putting on a band of mine. But then, yeah. I don't know. No, I, I know what you mean. It's it's probably me as well. I've got this feeling of like if someone asks me to do something and I can't do it, like I'm letting them down, even though it's not necessarily the case. No, but yeah, um, no, it's yeah. The, the I think one of the things we need to figure out, like going forward, is like a more of a like a uh, like an like that French model where there's like these 10 labels will definitely release something if it's like you know of this ilk and if you had that in the uk like it would be so much there are i'm not saying that it's not a thing but like more so you know like if if it was more so and more connected because it took us a really long time to figure out like where we stood on that sort of map of like what was going on and find the other people that were like-minded and that were down to like swap records and, and swap information and swap shows and stuff so I feel like we're small enough and we're we probably do all know each other enough to like get that and nail it you know because going forward I think we're we're in trouble and uh, we're gonna you know we, we're gonna face challenges to get things even to the little sort of slice of of what we had so yeah it's hard to know where physical formats for yeah where they where they stand really like with the f- with the uh, Flinch record, it's like sick. Where it's like, I want this to be out on vinyl. I'm gonna yeah. just fucking do it. Yeah, like, that's sick. And then you're, you know, whether you've got 250 records like under your bed or like you're yeah, like, yeah. no, I'm gonna go out and like make sure that this record sold, or like at least have the opportunity for people to listen to this and be sold. Um, but yeah, it is, you know, vinyl's just so expensive. It is mm-hmm. so yeah. expensive. And, like, you know, I think even, like, and you might tell me I'm wrong, and it always was, but, like, even, like, you putting out a seven-inch, like, six, seven years ago, like, mm-hmm. seven inches are so much more expensive now. Like, you, it doesn't seem like you can sell a seven-inch, really, for, like, less than a fiver, but, you know, you're seeing yeah. seven inches from labels that you don't think are, like, you know, like you don't think of like money grabbers or like, yeah. you know, you think they're doing things like in a certain way, but like they're selling them for like seven pound and like, yeah. and then, you know, for whatever reason, and, and, I, and I imagine it's just like, well, 
we're still making we're making less on top of it than we was like five ten years ago. Yeah. But like, we do need to make something off of a seven inch because, and if we don't make anything off of a seven inch, if I don't sell all five hundred of them, every single record I don't sell is like a loss. Yeah, I think unless you've got a surefire following that are going to snap up all your pressing, whether it's seven inches or LPs, like <clears throat> releasing your record as a small band uh, on on vinyl is, is like a bit of a vanity project. Like I think, yeah. and it always yeah. has been. And it, even with the help of labels, like ours, it kind of still was. Um, and I think people, as long as people kind of know that, that's that's reasonable but um i think on the flip side like the, the thing you were saying about pricing as far as i can see the pricing for pressing hasn't gone up massively um <clears throat> but the demand for records definitely has gone down um the bubble that saw all those labels crop up and do really well from the sort of 2010 onwards is definitely burst like um, saturation point was reached very quickly once you got you know represses of every conceivable record in HMV and, and all the high street shops and then online and, and various other things like and don't get me wrong as a as someone that collects records I'm stoked that I can basically go online and go I want that album and then it will arrive you know that's cool but it was quite it was interesting because it was driven by small DIY labels that were keeping it going and now um, the business is like, oh, that's viable now. Okay, yeah, we're going to jump on that. And now actually smaller labels can't get their records in plants because t- like yeah, nine yeah. months of the year, it's like backed up for these like big business shit. Yeah, and, and things like Record Store Day and stuff, which have their sort of like pros and cons. It was never something that was I was stoked on because I love record stores. I don't love not being able to get into them and buy anything. It's very strange. <laughs> Like, it just felt a very weird way to celebrate something, to, like, be make it impossibly busy with people who weren't always there. But yeah, I mean, I know that that is a massive part of some record shops a year. Oh, for sure. And, which So it's like, that's sick. And I guess sometimes it's easy to remember that, that like, there are a lot of, like, musos that, like, love it, but they're yeah. not, like, necessarily part of something in the same way, and, like, wouldn't see something in the same way that, say, like, you or I would see it. So there's that aspect. It's uh, yeah. Sometimes it's it is snobby, but it's also like yeah. This is it actually falls. It's fallen on my birthday several times, which is incredibly frustrating because my favourite thing to do in the world is to go for a coffee and then go and buy some records. So if it's on my birthday, I can't go and buy records. So that's what <laughs> what spawned me disliking it. But actually, as I started to look into it as well, um, there's a lot of pressure for record stores to buy a certain amount of records and no guarantee that they're going to sell them um so yes it's it definitely brought more interest to the record store which is really important and i think it's absolutely you know a thing that should be celebrated i actually think that the covid model of having like drops throughout the year and like making people you know maybe pay more attention to their local store is possibly better it's tricky Sorry, to go back to what you were saying about the, the pricing increase, I think because the general demand for things that are new or things that are niche or whatever is kind of dropped, I think if you sell or, if you sell half your allocation at seven bucks each, it's the same as selling all of it at four, I guess. So it balances out better. Um, 
Yeah. Like, actually, I feel like when I first started going to shows, like yeah. an LP, like a seven inch was four to five, and then an yeah. LP was usually ten. Yeah. Maximum fourteen. Where like now, yeah, I think it's 20, like 25. fourteen for like the cheapest record. Yeah. And then most records are like eighteen right. to twenty one, and then. Then that's still like that's still like the punk bands that are keeping it low for sure. I mean, I've been to like even local shows and seen people selling their LPs for twenty five bucks because yeah, that's obviously you know what the label sells them for or whatever or what yeah what their distribute what their distributor wants for it um and they're not undercutting it. It's it's a strange one that because like we do have a sort of punk economy where we're willing to like make things cheap to make people come and make people buy them, which is admirable. Uh, but we have been things have been prices have been going up for everything else and people earn more money and stuff as well like gigs have well, been a I fiver say that maybe not everyone earns more money no not everyone the, no you're absolutely right that's yeah. the thing i do worry i'm like yeah. like when like losing sleep released our album we were uh-huh. like advised by the label to sell it for 12 pound mm-hmm. so then we'd make like four pounds rather than two off of ours <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um but then i was like for me, and this this is going back, it's only a few years, but a few years now. I don't see any LPs for ten pounds, so it probably wouldn't be the case. I think people's like view of what how much a record should be has changed. But yeah. like for me, I was like a tenner is like a ten pound note in your pocket, and if you liked a band, yeah. liked not loved, but you just thought, yeah, that was quite good, you'd buy that LP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, like, absolutely. If it was twelve, I think that's a a whole nother you know i made a whole nother level of like oh that was really i i think that goes from like oh that was quite good to i'd like that i'd like to listen to it again to i really want that record that that band's done yeah no for sure um, and i was just always like i would prefer 50 or just say 50 i don't think 50 people bought our record but like, i would prefer 50 people to buy it at 10 pound than like 49 people buy it at 12 yeah, and then that one person doesn't buy it, and then like if that one person like bought it and then plays it and then or like puts it in there, puts it in with all their other records. There's so many records I've got that I'm like, I won't listen to that. But in thirty years' time, when I'm looking through my records, I'll pick it out and I'll be like, "Fuck, I remember the time I saw this band at like New River Studios, yeah. and like it was sick." And the reason I picked this up was because they were really good. I had a great night, and like this band spent a lot of time writing these tunes, a lot of time recording these tunes and like decided to tour and like play this Oh, thing totally, and, yeah. And, and, like, it's just like nod to like that being pretty sick. So I think you've, I think you've just summarized the idea of what I'm saying is like, is the punk economy and the punk economy yeah, is like, yeah. it's not about the financial transaction of I can afford this, therefore I'll buy it. It's, it's contributing to things and knowing that it keeps the wheels in motion and stuff like that. Um, so as an example, like I, I'm absolutely all for it. Like sell it for as cheap as you can, uh, get away with, and it doesn't hurt you. Like doesn't hurt your pocket. Like because obviously you've got other more like other things to do in your life, like eat and have you know heating and lights and stuff. Make sure you can do that, but sell it as cheap as you can because yeah, you're right. Like it it makes it more uh, viable for other people. So to put it in perspective, like uh, obviously we booked hundreds of shows. I loved booking shows because it was always something I was able to, like, you know, I was part of something. I was, like, picking the bands, and they were picking me, and we were, we ended up mostly, most of us ended up friends and blah, blah, blah. But I ended up, so, 
I got made redundant from one of my graphic design jobs and a friend of a friend reached out to me to say, oh, come into my office and we'll have a chat. And I assumed it was going to be a graphic design related thing, but it turned out to be an interview, which I never <laughs> was unprepared for, for the booker of like one of the cooler venues in the city. Um, but as soon as I realised that that was what this was and I was talking to like one of the owners of like the bigger promoting promotion companies so this is a this is the people that put on like green day and the people that put on you know uh like that level of band when they come to glasgow or surrounded area you know involved in tea in the park and all this stuff but also they have like various small venues and stuff so we we're sitting down and like he's grilling me on like how well my last show did and all this stuff and i was just like ah not that well man like i think 15 people came blah, blah blah but it was pretty fun they had a good time and he's just like, it's people like you that make it make gigs not a viable business option, basically. And I was like, how? And he's like, well, people like you still think a gig should be a fiver. And I was like, yeah, totally, because that means more people can come and blah, blah, blah. He was like, nah, they should be the same. It should be the same as going to the cinema or going out for a meal. It should be like 10, 12 pounds. You know, you should be expecting to get like a decent night out, maybe take your missus along, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, do you know, this absolutely reeks of someone that's not been to a gig because I've been to gigs with my partner. I've been to, like, other people I've met at gigs on dates, but generally it's a pretty shit place to take someone for a date. You can't talk to them. If you don't both like the same shit, like, you're going to find out really soon when one of them is absolutely pissed off that some guy's fucking screaming his face off in front of you. And, you know, you're going to sheepishly look at them like, hey, I like this, you know? It's like, wearing your heart on your sleeve so early on in your thing like anyway so it's just that like th there's the mindset that like punk promoters are disrupting that business I, I was i left fucking stoked i was like yes i am making that i'm annoying that guy by doing what i do that's fantastic because that's part of the point like whilst the point is also to be a cog in this machine or part of this community that like keeps it all going keeps it ticking over the next show happens like it's also to be a blocker for someone monopolizing everything and saying, fucking, yeah. Yeah, all yeah, shows yeah. are going to be £12. It's going to be the same as going to the cinema. It's not the same as going to the cinema. It's fucking different. There's a reason why not everybody yeah. wants to go. I mean, I do think shows should be £12. Like, they <laughs> yeah, it makes it easier to pay It would, like, ev like everyone. People, like, you, yeah, if, if a show was £12 and 50 people came... Yeah, you instead would... of five, then so instead of two hundred and fifty quid, you've got like over a gram like no. Over like, <laughs> like yeah. six hundred quid. And like that is or whatever, like yes, it's No, you're right. It it makes and more like sense that, economically. And like God knows that like bands that wanna like do it on their own terms, but also like not but that wanna do it on their own terms and wanna like make a living from it. Yep. Uh, or like it's so hard to do totally absolutely but it's it's that and i do hope that shows become more expensive but also at the same time there needs a hope that like no one turn away for lack of funds becomes part of the like part of the like yeah. part of like punk yeah. in a way that like it doesn't even like it's everyone knows what that means oh for sure and, yeah, yeah you know and I and I do think that 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 is turning, 
and I do think that that is like if you can afford but it's just so difficult and you know there's a backlash of some people like oh I don't want to like it's just there's a lot of stuff but you know shows were a fiver in the 80s when you yeah, I know it's, it's ridiculous now, and everything yeah. has got more expensive. Yep, but it's not. But you're like, of course, that's. I'm like, but they shouldn't be more expensive for the for for whatever reason this fella's saying. They should be more expensive because, like, you know, it would be cool if like it's yeah, just people don't finding a way. Value on it. Yeah, like I would like to see more people, and and particularly the people in the music scene. To place more value on it like i'm not saying that gigs should remain a fiver i'm saying that whatever yeah. that guy says we should do the fucking opposite because he's a prick but <laughs> <laughs> bottom line but um like for example I, I, he asked me what kind of music i was into i was like oh i recently got really into the van pelt and he was like cool i met the van pelt at a party in new york and let me tell you he regrets uh like going on was it you regret signing to a label for like a vegan pizza and blah 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 and again yes like that is undervaluing yourself and like not you know giving yourself the means to carry on but like the bottom line is that like it's not valued like this thing that we do is not really valued by the mainstream at all but there's a niche little pocket of people who do value it but even those people if you were to say to them there's a lineup of three bands. You probably don't know them, but like they're all the kind of thing you're into. It's twelve pounds. A lot of them would be like, "Well, that's I'm not coming," you know. Yeah, and that's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. It's about the valuing of that. Like, it's about everyone understanding the message of like what that means. If that their twelve pounds goes to like, not only like it would go, it would take it from like being barely sustainable to being something that could flourish. And it's not a lot more money out of each individual's pocket. I absolutely get that. Like, yeah, that and the, like, not to open a can of worms, but like, I think it's just like the punk scene's never been good about having com- like. Why should everyone pay the same amount of money when like a lot of people, like the punk, a lot of people earn vastly different amounts of money and have vastly different amounts of expendable money. Oh, where, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And like. So it's about making, it's about having conversations, and like I think punk is like, or like so a lot, yeah, punk is like not good at the moment at talking about class, and I think no. that is just a microcosm of how like, oh definitely, our, so our society is like fucking terrible about like and shies like and chooses to or doesn't understand how to talk about class in like depending on what it is, and yeah, like I said, that's a different can of worms. Yeah. Of course, like we don't need to have right now, but it's like that. The, the, there is hopefully gonna there is, and hopefully there carries on to be a dialogue of being like, how can we make shows accessible to as many people as possible, and well, how sure, can yeah. we make touring accessible? Might be the wrong word, but how can we make it so anyone can think about the fact that if they want to tour, they it's can. Probably, if yeah. people like their music or if people are part of the community that they're a part of yeah it's, we need to take away a lot of the mysticism about it as well and make it less clandestine and like everybody needs you know you find your inroads if you're lucky I feel kind of like thing. clandestine means something I, like, I don't know what that word means but i feel like it's funny because it probably means like like underground and like shady and like hidden and mystical and like 
it does even for someone that's been like in there and like done it all I still feel it. yeah there are there are aspects of it in roads that were like denied to me because I didn't have like that level of like underground punk clearance kind of thing or whatever um but I just mean that it should be clarified like it should be made like the route to do it should be more accessible like you say so you know we've done we've done shows that were free um which you feel is a solution for people like it's a leveler no one has to pay everyone can turn up and see the bands but the flip side of that is that because it's free people don't feel like they need to show up because they're not contributing to it they're not putting money into the pocket so they're like well it's not no skin off their nose if i don't come when ironically what you want is the people like you don't it's not about the money it's about the people so the offset of that was obviously that like the venue would take responsibility for for the funds and they did that by like different beer companies or whatever would sponsor a night but they didn't get anything from it really they just got the the like the mental kudos of having done that like um corporate social responsibility i guess so they would give a lot of money <laughs> they wouldn't know what it was for because it wouldn't appear on the posters or anything like that maybe they would get a report i don't know but then that money would go to me which would go into the pockets of bands which is sick i think because if anyone can afford that it's them and you know it offsets that weirdness of like it's free so the balance is cool you know there's no uh, financial barrier to entry but also people don't necessarily value it as a thing to do so but on the other hand there are other shows that we made that were free that like were crazy like people were just like oh wow this is amazing i can't believe this is free and there were other shows that we made that like you know where I don't know, 15 bucks that people were like again clamoring to make sure that they got in and thought it was really super reasonable. So, um, but yeah, I, the no one turned away for lack of funds thing, like, uh, only became something that I knew about in the past couple of years. But I'm absolutely like, <clears throat> I think I sort of retrospectively was like, oh, of course, like, I would rather that you were there than that you couldn't come, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. and then kind of thought back to various points where like it was always people that I knew because I feel like nobody or people that don't know you are not going to come up to the door and be like I really want to come to this but I don't have any money but people you know people yeah, that because who's in a pub that's gonna yeah yeah for sure exactly. yeah and there's so much baggage that comes with that totally so I think that the whole finances thing of 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 punk and like DIY is such a such a minefield because then there's loads of other things where like people there's like so little money and like such a tiny slice of the the economy in general never mind the entertainment economy never mind the you know live music economy never mind the alternative music economy like the, the diy punk part is like such a sliver like that was always the thing i was like i will not take anything else out like it will be you know everything will get funneled back into this I would feel bad if I paid for my taxi home with the money from the show. Like I would be like, I will replace that because <laughs> I would, yeah. I would have went anyway. You know, kind of thing, you know, like, yeah. and I'm not saying that like that in an altruistic way. It was more genuinely just like a, if I take another fifteen bucks, like that's so limited. And it, you're right in what you said earlier on. That's because of the value that people place on it and the value that we are willing to accept for people to pay to come along. 
you know. Yeah, yeah, but hopefully, um, you know, that conversation's been going on for a long time, so hopefully that starts to turn around. Definitely, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, so, yeah, where can people see what Struggle Town's doing with this, all the exciting stuff that you've got coming up? So, um, most of it's up on strugglepound.co.uk, um, which I think is a, a URL that points to the limited run. So, if that doesn't work, it's strugglepound.limitedrun.com. Um, <clears throat> I'm kind of I'm putting all the streams of the podcast on there, the pre-order for the LPs on there. Um, it needs a bit of work uh, to kind of update like the roster of bands that we had, kind of thing and stuff like that. So, um, there's various old Tumblr sites knocking about that have got all the old stuff. Uh, yeah, so just the usual like Facebooks and stuff like that. So, Struggle Town, <coughs> if you're searching. Um, and Instagram Struggle Town Records has recently been revived, and I'm trying not to neglect it as badly as I did the first time. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for this conversation. No way. Thank you for always like for doing the Culture Fear like logos every time oh, I'm pestering no you, and like <laughs> just supporting what I've been doing for years now and continuing to. So I really appreciate it. Well. Thank you as well. It's good to finally been... have these conversations. I wanted to do it, like I said to you before, in person, but like yeah. I'm just glad that we could do it. No, I guess like the the lockdown thing does have its sort of benefits that if ever like a lot more people are getting in contact digitally, so like it becomes more normal. So, but um, <laughs> no, I wanted to to thank you as well because you've always been like a massive supporter of Slowly and of the label, and like even yeah, as soon as we we announced that struggle time was a thing again you were all you were like in touch to say cool what's happening which is really encouraging and then all the help and advice with the podcast super appreciated so thanks very much cheers uh cool there you go Stephen hill uh thank you for listening to that conversation uh you know where to find struggle town records now don't you i don't need to tell you more about that hopefully catch you soon this is get a life by slow light